Um, what I would like to uh, do before we really get into the lesson, um, actually last night I came out, and right before I came out there, and we had communion, so it kind of crunched my time, but uh, my Marine, uh, Benjamin, he FaceTimed me in the back room there. So I was all excited to talk to him, and he's out in the deserts of California, some extreme hot weather training and all kinds of crazy things he was telling me about. But I forgot to put batteries in my microphone, so when I came out, uh, people couldn't really hear me because I was engaged, you know, with my Marine there. Um, but what I want to do this morning, is it okay if I show you a picture of him? On the day he was there for a year, you know? Okay, let me see. There he is. Now, listen, just so you know, that guy, his friend, Tran, standing beside him, he's six foot three. So Benjamin is around nine and a half foot tall now. It's the best as I could recollect. Nah. But uh, this was a year, a year, the, the day a couple weeks ago when he'd been there for a year. And in reality, what you see is what he carries every day. A lot of, most of the guys only carry one, but because he's big and strong, he actually carries that on a regular uh, daily basis. But I, I want to ask you, and, and I know a lot of our guys are already out vacationing and, and, and celebrating their holidays and all, so I'm not going to get everybody, but how many of you here have ever served in one branch of the armed services, Air Force, Navy, uh, you know, Army and Marines? How many? Would you stand? Can I get you to stand up for just a moment? Don't mean to put you on the spot. I'm not going to have you preach or nothing, but stand up. Let's give him a, a, a grand applause. Thank you. No, don't sit down. Stand up. Stand up. And all the people online who are watching, we just want to honor you who have served our country. Don't sit down, okay? Or we'll have you teach today if you sit down. Fine. Now. How many of you here, though you, you've not served in one of those branches, but you have a close friend or a family member who has served? Uh, how many, uh, okay, I want you to stand up. Would you stand up? Honestly. Because see, what, what happens is we find how this trickles down and how it touches us all in some capacity. It really does. And uh, I just want to say thank you because you know something? You know the families of those who serve, you know, they make great sacrifices as well as just those who are serving. And, and you know, uh, Susan and I, that's become even a greater reality right now. And there's others who are in our church, you know, uh, Catherine, who just went and joined the Marines, and, and Avery, who's in, in the Army there, and, and so many others that I, I would, I fail to name everybody, but we just honor you and we thank you. Those of you who have served those of you who have family and close friends who served, we just want to say thank you because it's, it's very important to us. So God bless you. You may be seated now. You know, a time for remembering. I just want to talk about just a little bit this morning. A time for remembering. First Corinthians, let me start here something we've already done this morning, but in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. That's kind of what we did a little while ago with the communion. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, 
Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this, how? In remembrance of me. So don't forget. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took a cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. He, he tells us, communion is so we don't forget. He says here in verse 26, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And when you announce his death, well, why did he die? You have to tell the story. He died for your sins. And then he rose from the dead, you know. So communion is saying, let's not forget. He said, do this in remembrance. Don't forget. That's what he's telling you. Memorial Day is a day for remembering. That's what it's about. Um, Sir Thomas More said, the world does not need so much to be informed as to be reminded. Because the Bible says, again and again and again, it says, you know, forget not. Forget not, forget not. It says, as you read the Bible, you'll say, remember, 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 remember. And uh, none of us intend, to be honest with you, to forget those to whom... Uh, we owe so much, but truth of it is, it's easy to forget, is it not? It's easy to forget. I and mean, we have so much going on in this world, and our, our world is so busy and so noisy, it's, it's easy to forget important kinds of stuff. Therefore, it is appropriate, you know, to have a day to remember. It is appropriate. You know, not too long ago, we had a special day, you know. You know, let, let's remember moms. We had a Mother's Day, you know, so... So we wouldn't forget to remember mothers, you know. But let's remember moms who risked their lives. You go, well, risking their lives? Really? You go take a stroll this weekend in any cemetery, and you will discover not too many years ago, within the last, you know, century, or, or much less than that, to be honest with you, you go back about 60, 70 years, there were quite a few moms who died during childbirth. Now, it's a rarity today. You know, because of all the medical advances and all. But there was a lot of moms, and, and, and you'll find every cemetery where moms died in childbirth. So I say, you know, let's remember the moms who risked their lives. You know, let's remember law enforcement officers who regularly, you know, risked their lives to protect us. Although we often consider them an inconvenience, you know, if we're late for work and they pull us over. You know, they want to see our little license. You know, it's like, I'm late for work. Or they pull us over and they want to, hey, you got a taillight. I know it's out. I got to get to work, you know. Or they're busy going to some emergency that's really important, and we got to pull over on the side of the road. Uh, what an inconvenience that is. And how many law enforcement officers have actually died and given their life protecting us? We forget. So we must not forget them who have given so much and who take risk and we often take for granted. Let's remember the firefighters who risked their lives to protect us night and day. Not just us, but they, they risked their lives to protect our property. We must not forget them. Let's remember the men and the women in the military who are serving now. 
And y'all who know us know that it's, it's more relevant than ever before because our son Benjamin is there. It, it puts it in the forefront every day of our lives, you know, that we know he's willing to take a risk, you know, very willing to, to take risk. Let's remember those military who've risked their lives and they, they've served and they've come home to grateful companies, uh, communities, grateful family members, and, and now they're enjoying a deserved retirement. But let's remember them. And as we have opportunity to thank them, let's remember those who died in far away, you know, places with strange-sounding names. Remember them. Let's remember others who suffered. And, and, and I'm talking about genuine suffering, suffered pain, and they were even tortured before death came to them. Things that we don't want to think about, but let's remember. Let's remember the, the price that was paid for the freedom, the freedom I have and you have. To stand here on this Sunday morning and worship God together was a freedom that many people paid for with their very lives. And we can only, uh, you know, when we think of that, we can't just remember the, the person who gave their life. But we've got to remember the families and the loved ones who, whose lives has been shattered and forever changed because of the price that was paid. Let's remember the sacrifice that parents you know, who grieve knowing that their son or their daughter you know, will not be coming home. Let's remember the widows and, and the children whose loved one paid the ultimate price for our freedom. They deserve our gratitude. And at any opportunity to say thank you, yes, your loved one gave their life, but you gave so much. You made sacrifices too, and I want to thank you. Freedom has always come at a high price, and it would be heartless of us to fail to honor and to remember their sacrifice. Let's remember those who died on battlefields far away. And, and they died for family and, and, and for friends, you know. They chose to serve, but they did not choose to die. They had hoped to survive and to come home. Let's remember Jesus. He came to this earth. Unlike our military, he came to this earth knowing and choosing to die for us. And as unusual as it is, he chose to die. For his enemies as well. What did he say as he hung upon that cross? Father, forgive them all, for they know not what they do. And even though he made a tremendous sacrifice, there are so many this day who are indifferent to the sacrifice that he made for them. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins, so that we can be made right with God through Christ. If we believe, we can be made right because of the sacrifice he made, and he came full well knowing he's going to give his life in the sacrifice. So it is appropriate. It's the right thing to do, to remember and to honor our countrymen who actually have served, and, 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 and many still serve 
and are making sacrifices. And it is appropriate. It's the right thing to do every week to have a day to remember and to honor the Savior, you know, who gave his life for the sins of this world. It's the right thing to do. You know, it's, it's time for remembering. Don't forget. And hopefully we will not forget until next year this time. But hopefully we'll remember often to speak to those who've been impacted by sacrifices their loved ones have made. And hopefully we'll remember not just on a weekly basis, but on a daily basis, the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has made for us. Let's remember freedom. It has never come cheap. You know, that's true of political freedom, economical freedom, spiritual freedom. Freedom must never be taken lightly, never taken for granted, because freedom is never free. Somebody paid for it. You know, um, Franklin D. Roosevelt, former president, he made famous four freedoms. Freedom from want, freedom from fear, freedom of speech, and the freedom of worship. And there's a fifth freedom that's more important than all the rest of the freedoms wrapped up together. It's the freedom from sin. See, there is a real place called hell. It's a horrible, torturous place. And Jesus came here, and he took our place to wash our sins away so we could be free of sin's grip that would rip us down into hell. And we are free to live a life with peace and joy and hope knowing that we shall walk the streets of gold and live with him forever and with all those who've gone on before us. See, no government, no leader can confer this freedom from sin. It's only given to us by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, whose name is Jesus Christ, the freedom from sin. Let's remember that. The late Bishop Bromley Oxnan, he tells of giving the annual Memorial Day address at the National Monument at Gettysburg. And like most other speakers, he felt the need to conclude his speech by reciting Lincoln's famous address. After he finished, he felt that all had gone well. That is, until an old, old man made his way forward and remarked, Son, you made an awful mess of Lincoln's speech. Oxenden asked, what do you mean? I, I didn't miss a word of it. Here, look at my notes. And the old man replied, oh, I don't need your notes. I know it by heart, you see. I heard it the first time around. By now, Bishop Oxenden realized that this man had been present when Lincoln originally delivered the words. And he was curious about how his reciting it had differed from that of the president. The old timer explained it this way. He said, Abe put his hands out over the people like a benediction, like a prayer, and he said that the government of the people, by the people and for the people should not perish from the earth. See, you got the words right, son, but you missed the message. You emphasized government. Lincoln, he emphasized and talked about the people. Think about this for a moment. 
when you remember, let's just make sure that we got, got it right. Let's don't change the message around. Let's make sure we got it right as we remember. Let's pursue the truth. See, our memory, you know, is a, the cabinet of our imagination. It's, it's the treasury of reason. It's the registry of, of conscience. Our memory is a counselor chamber of, of a thought. Our memory is a, is a diary, you know, that's with us always, and it's, it's precious. It's priceless. Let's use our memory, but let's make sure it's accurate. You know, it's estimated that in a lifetime, a brain can store one million billion bytes of information. Just an average brain. You know, isn't that what every computer geek craves for? More memory, you know. More memory, you know. Well, God gave us a memory and then he instructs us how to fill this memory. In the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't think only about things down here on earth, you know. Let heaven fill our thoughts. It's easy to forget about God, and it's easy to forget about all the things he's done for us. It's easy to forget that he gave us eyes to see with. He gave those to us, and the ears, and, and whatever blessings are upon our life, and all, all the good stuff, the Bible says it comes from the Father above. Let's not forget that. Let heaven fill your thoughts. He, he didn't say you can't think about stuff down here, but he says do not think only about things down here on earth. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 7 says, We all have happy blessed memories of the godly whether they're living or we just they're in history we read about them in books or we read about them in the bible there's there's happy blessed memories as we remember you know it inspires us and it encourages us and and often what was hard to endure is is, is precious and and it's sweet to remember shadrach meshach and abednego you know uh Everyone was demanded, you will fall down and worship this golden image when the music plays. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they worshiped only the true and living God. And they would not bow down to a, a false image. So when the thousands bowed down, you know, it's kind of hard, hard to hide when you're the only three people standing. And they were taken very roughly by soldiers. And they were brought to a furnace. And they were bound with ropes and because they would not compromise their faith they were thrown in I'm sure that was a hard thing to do it was the right thing to do but it was hard they were cast into a fiery furnace and the Bible says the soldiers who threw them in there were struck dead because of the heat when they opened the door was so hot and people from a distance even the emperor of that land looked upon and said didn't we throw three men in there hey God, did y'all throw somebody else in there the only three men sir says, I see four men in there, and they're walking around. And one of them looks like the Son of God. He was so immaculate and awesome that the only way the emperor could say, he looks like the Son of God. And when they, they were thrown into the fiery furnace, something did burn. The Bible says all the ropes that they had been bound with had burned off. And then when they came out, everybody's going, tell us about your God, you know. So there are times... 
when the truth is it's hard to endure something. Giving birth. You know? That's a, that's a chore. But as you remember those babies and your babies become toddlers and they become teenagers and then they become young men and women and they have babies of their own, you look back with precious thoughts. Things that you endure, they become very sweet memories as time progresses. What we do in our youth, it often determines what we'll be remembered for. Listen to what it says here in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. It says, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Is youth exciting? Amen. There's a couple of young-hearted people in here today. How many of you was ever young? Okay, we got a... Yes. There's a pulse with some of you guys. Yes, okay. But listen, it says, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. God gave you the excitement of youth. You've got all the energy in the world and all the time in the world. You just don't have no money, you know. Where we used to ask to borrow 10 bucks, you guys, well, can I have 75 bucks, you know, nowadays? Well, it says, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. You were created for a purpose. We need to remember that. We just got through studying about what on earth am I here for? And there's five purposes that God created you for. The first was he created you to love you. You're the object of God's love. He created you to love you. And that's mind-blowing. That's awesome. And he created you to not to be loved, but he created you to belong, to belong to his family. And then he created you to become, to become like his son Jesus. And then he created you to be kind, to help others, and to honor God. And then he created you to be sent and share the good news and bring in hope to others who don't know. And the Bible says here, don't let the excitement of youth, he said be excited, yes, but don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. He goes on to say here, Honor him. Honor your creator in your youth before you grow old and no longer enjoy living. You know, once you're on your deathbed and there's no more joy in life, you know, well, I'm, I'm ready to serve God. Now, let me tell you, he'll forgive you at that point. But you have missed the greatest opportunities to serve. So wherever you're at right now, let's begin to honor him and serve him and remember that he Every good thing we have, it came from him. He wants us to live our lives for him. It says in verse 2, well, let me read the latter part of verse 1. It says, honor him in your youth before you grow old and no longer enjoy living. Verse 2, it says, it'll be too late to remember him. It'll be too late then to remember him when the light of the sun and the moon and stars is dim in your old eyes and there is no silver lining left among the clouds. Verse 3 says, your limbs will tremble with age and your strong legs will grow weak and your teeth will be too few to do their work. See, the guys back in didn't know the, the wonderful, marvelous discovery that we have in dentistry today, you know. Your teeth will be too few to do their work and you will be blind too and 
And when your teeth are gone, the Bible is very practical. It says, and when your teeth are gone, keep your lips tightly closed when you eat. I didn't make this up. That's right there in your Bible. You don't want it plopping out on the table for what you're eating. So it's like, and when your teeth are gone, keep your lips tightly closed when you eat. Even the chirping of birds will wake you up, but you yourself will be deaf, deaf and, and tuneless and with a quavering voice, and you will be afraid of heights and, and of falling. And back then, they didn't have that little button that's like, I've fallen and I can't get up, you know. You'll be afraid of heights and of falling, white-haired and withered, dragging along without any sexual desire. You'll be standing at death's door, and as you near your everlasting home, the mourners will walk along the streets. Verse 6. Yes! Remember your Creator now while you are young before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well, for then the dust will return to earth and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. You know. What he's saying in this verse is, is make your life count while you're young. That's what he's telling us, you know. Like Daniel. He was a young fella. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, teenagers. Mary, the mother of Jesus, a young teenager. Timothy, a teenager, you know. David, I mean, as you study your Bible, you'll see that God used young, the youth of that day. Psalms 112, verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. Happy are those who fear the Lord. Yes, happy are those who delight in doing what he commands. I mean, they really enjoy doing God's will. Verse 2 says their children will be successful where? You say, well, I can't convince my kids to do all the things I want to. The Bible says you be a praiser. You fear God and you personally delight in doing what God commands and he says, your children will be successful everywhere. Did, did y'all see that? Or did I make that up? Verse, their children will be successful everywhere. And entire generation of people will be blessed. Because you remember him. And you honor him and you delight in him. He says in verse 3, they themselves will be wealthy. And their good deeds will never be forgotten when you choose to honor and to love God, to delight in doing the things that pleases him. Verse 4 says, when darkness overtakes the godly, gloom and despair will overwhelm them for the rest of eternity. Oh, I'm sorry, I misread that. When darkness overtakes the godly, light will come bursting in. They're generous, compassionate, and righteous. The godly, those who are living to honor God. You know, light cannot over, I mean, darkness cannot overtake you. Light will burst in and save the day because you're generous and you're compassionate and you're righteous, which just means you're right with God through a relationship with Christ. Verse 5 says, And all goes well for those who are generous, who lend freely and conduct their business fairly. Verse 6. Such people, talking about godly people, generous people, people who delight in honoring God, it says such people 
will not be overcome by evil circumstances. Are there evil circumstances in this world? Sure they are, but you will not be overcome by them. Such people will not be overcome by evil circumstances. Those who are righteous, who are right with God, will be long remembered. You will be long remembered by living a life that honors him. Verse 7 says, they do not fear bad news. Bad news. All of a sudden, a doctor says, well, I got some bad news for you. Your financial advisor says, well, I got some bad news for you. You see something on the news, bad news. You're, you're, in your marital situation, you know, your marriage counselor, well, I got some bad news for you. The Bible says the godly, the generous, the compassionate, those who delight in doing God's way. It says in verse 7, they do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes, how? Triumphantly. They give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will never be forgotten. They'll have influence and honor. I mean, that's a passage that's worth going back and reading and chewing on a little bit. Philippians chapter 1 verse 3 says, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Did you, did you hear that? He said, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. When people think of you, do they give thanks to God or do they go, Oh, oh man. <laughs> when people think of you, they go, Thank you, God, for so and so. Every time they think of you, you're kind, you're encouraging. You bring hope where there seems to be no hope. You bring peace in the midst of their chaos. You always got a good word or something, a shoulder to lean on. When people think of you, do they thank God? Think about that. If they don't, that can be changed just by a choice that you make today. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, it says, and this is Peter talking, he says, I plan to keep on reminding you of these things. He said, I plan to keep on reminding you of these things. I plan to keep on reminding you of these things. I plan to keep on reminding you of these things. Excuse me just a moment. He said, I plan to keep on reminding you of these things. I plan to keep on reminding you of these things. I plan to keep on reminding you of these things. You kind of getting the point? Even though you already know them. Do we ever need to be reminded of something we already know? You're dropping home. Officer pulls you over. Do you know what the speed limit is? Yes, sir. But you need to be reminded because you're going 40 miles an hour above the speed limit. Just because you know something don't mean you're doing it. Is that right? And listen to what Peter says. He says, I plan to keep on reminding you of these things even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth. Yes, I believe... I believe I should keep on reminding you of these things as long as I live. Although you've not forgotten them, I need to remind you. Verse 14, 
But the Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that my days here on earth are numbered and I am soon to die. So I will work hard to make these things that I'm going to remind you of clear to you. I want you to remember them long after I am gone. Wow. I mean, this sounds extremely important. What are those things he's talking about? We just read verse 12 through 15. Let's back up to the beginning of this chapter and see what in the world is he talking about. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. It says, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. And then he says, supplement. You, you understand this? How many of you take a supplement? You know, I, I take this little supplement to kind of boost my energy or to boost my muscles or to boost my memory or, or something. We take supplements to, to add to and help and to strengthen us. And he says here, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. You got faith? That's awesome. But he says, live a moral, excellent life. Moral excellence. Do the right thing. You know the right thing, but do the right thing. It will do something amazing for your faith. When you're believing God for miracles and you choose to have moral excellence, your faith really will move mountains. So he says here, he says, supplement your faith. This is in verse uh, 5, halfway through. It says, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And, and, and supplement moral excellence with knowledge. And verse 6 says, and supplement knowledge with self-control. Is, is self-control important? Well, let's just say on the way home from church today, you're, you're driving, and, and you're driving the speed limit, maybe a little bit faster, you know, you need a reminder of how, what the speed limit is, but you're driving a little bit faster and, and you lose control of your car. Is that good or bad? And when you lose control of yourself, it's also bad. And he says here in verse 6, and, and supplement knowledge with self-control. And self-control supplement with patient endurance and, and, and supplement patient endurance with God-likeness, you know, Christ-likeness, godliness. That's what it means and then supplement godliness with brotherly affection. That's amongst your brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and supplement brotherly affection with love for everyone. That's people who, who don't know Christ yet. And then he says in verse 8, the more you grow like this, you know, adding moral excellence to your faith and, and, and adding knowledge to your ex, moral excellence and, 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 and the supplementation, he says the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way, they're not adding moral excellence to their faith. They're not adding knowledge and, and, and patience, you know, to, to all this here. They're not adding self-control. He says, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting, forgetting. They're not remembering. That's why I'm going to remind you, even though I know you've not forgotten it. He said, they're short-sighted, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, he's saying, remember this. Work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. See, talk is cheap. You can talk the talk, but if your life does not confirm it, 
It's, it's, it's not true. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. He said, do these things. Supplement your faith with moral excellence. Supplement moral excellence with knowledge. And on and on he says, you do these things and you will never fall away. Never. That's why he said, I'm going to remind you of this over and over and over, though I know you've not forgotten it. You already know it. I want to encourage you before the day is over, if you'd like a little homework assignment, to read Romans chapter 16. That's uh, 16. Is, these are believers, you know, that we remember for serving well. It actually lists their names. In the Chronicles of Heaven, things are still being written down about you. You'll have a, a place of books on God's, in God's library of, of what you've done here on this earth. They're being recorded right now, same way Peter and James and John's were. And then I would encourage you to make the time, whether today or tomorrow, Read just one chapter of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. You know, these saints are being remembered for their great faith in an awesome God. And it is so, you read Hebrews 11, it's just inspiring. It's challenging. It just lifts us up. And here's my question. What will you be remembered for? It's an honest question. What will you be remembered for? Listen to what it says here in Matthew 26, 1. It says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, he said to his disciples, as you know, the Passover celebration begins in two days, and I, the Son of Man, will be betrayed and crucified. At that same time, the leading priests and other leaders were meeting at the residence of Caiaphas, the high priest, to discuss how to capture Jesus secretly and then put him to death. But not, but not during the Passover, they agreed, or there will be a riot. Okay, slow down, verse 6. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had leprosy. Well, he had been healed of his leprosy now. And during supper, a woman came in with a beautiful jar of expensive perfume. It was the value of a year's wages, this expensive perfume in this big jar. Beautiful, probably jade or something. During supper, a woman came in with a beautiful jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his, Jesus' head. Now I want you to, to get the context of what's going on here. Imagine with me, if you could, while I'm preaching a message, like maybe like right now, and then all of a sudden a, a woman comes in this door, she interrupts our service, you recognize her. She is not a woman of moral excellence. You recognize her as a prostitute, a local prostitute who lives in this town. And she comes with this beautiful jar of perfume, expensive perfume. And she comes up on the stage and pours it over my head. What do you think? <laughs> oh, you're spiritual, so you wouldn't have any negative thoughts, I'm sure. But what would you think? You know who she is. You know her lifestyle. She's bringing all, that's a year's value right there. She's pouring over our pastor's head. What's going on here? You, you catch my drift? Okay, I wanted you to understand that. 
That's just what happened to Jesus. So understand what's going on in this picture. Verse 7 says, During supper, a woman came in with a beautiful jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant. They were offended. That They were annoyed. They were more than annoyed. They were hopping mad. You understand hopping mad? You're so mad you don't know what to do, so you just hop. You know? <laughs> so you learned something today. Verse 8. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste of money, they said. What a waste. Verse 9. She could have sold it for a fortune and given the money to the poor. And some of the disciples, especially the one named Judas, was thinking, and we're poor. Because he was the treasurer. He carried the bag of their money. Verse 10, it says, but Jesus replied, why berate her for doing such a good thing to me? A good thing. You will always have the poor among you, but I will not be here with you much longer. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. He says, I'm going to die. They didn't exactly grasp that. And then this story is, is, is also repeated over in the book of Mark. Let me just give you a little excerpt out of the book of Mark. Mark chapter 14, verse 8. It says, she did what she could. There were some things that this woman who was a prostitute, she had an immoral life, there were some things that she couldn't do. But this right here she could do. Jesus had changed and transformed her life. And it was a small thing to pour this expensive perfume. That's what she had and that's what she could do. And the scripture says she did what she could. Question. Have we done what we can do? Sometimes we try to do what other people are doing. And that's never right. The Bible says comparing ourselves amongst ourselves is not wise. But the question is, is are we doing what we can do? You know, the, the widow uh, the, 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 the had the, the two coins, the mites. It didn't even equivalent up, up to a, a penny. And she came and she put them in the offering. You know, I mean, what is that? That's all she had, but she did what she could do. And what she could do, although it wasn't much in your eyes, it has inspired millions and millions of dollars to, to go into God's kingdom and advance his cause, even to this day. She did what she could do. Have we done, are we doing what we can do of the gifts and the calling and the purpose that God's called us to. Well, let's go back over here to Matthew 26, verse 13. Jesus goes on, he says, And I'll assure you, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deeds will be talked about in her memory. How many of you ever heard that story before about the woman pouring the perfume on Jesus? It's true. Jesus said everywhere the gospel is preached, this woman's story will be told. She was so thrilled to be forgiven. 
She was so thrilled. She did not forget that her life had been radically transformed by Jesus Christ. No. What are you being remembered for? It's all being recorded. What will you be remembered for? And if you don't like what you think, we'll change it today. Matthew chapter 26, verse 14 says, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priest, and he asked, How much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. And from that time on, Judas began looking for the right time and a place to betray Jesus. Picking up here in verse 20, Matthew 26, verse 20, it says, And when it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the twelve disciples, and while they were eating, he said, The truth is, one of you will betray me. Guys, what is Judas Iscariot remembered for? A traitor. He was more interested in gold than he was in God betrayed the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What will you be remembered for by God? What will you be remembered for by others? And I got another question to ask you. I said, what will you be remembered for? But what are you remembered for now? Think about that. Oh, you're a wonderful, a loving father a wonderful, caring mother. You know, patient, caring husband, you know, maybe. Tender, encouraging wife, possibly. Selfless or selfish. You remember as a person, no matter how beautiful the day and circumstances, you can always find something to complain about. Is that you? Or no matter how bad the day goes, you can always find something to praise God for. I don't know if you all remember the, the uh, way I communicate the ups and the downs about the balcony people and the basement people. You're around a balcony person. You're not around them too long before they're just pulling you up into the balcony. Hey, come on up here. You may be down, but when you leave talking to a balcony person, you feel higher. You, you feel better. You've been lifted. You've been encouraged. But if you go around a, a basement person, you know what a basement person is? Even if the sun is shining, things are going well, you hang around with a basement person, they pull you down into the dark, dank basement. Gloom and despair. And when you leave there, it's like, boy, I feel lousy. <laughs> My question to you today, are you a basement person? Or are you a balcony person? Are you always lifting people up? Or when people around you, they can't wait to get away because you're always just pulling them down. You can change that today with a simple decision. You really can. So what I want us to do, I want to pray for you. And then I'm going to show you like a, a minute video clip. And then we're just going to pray for the, the men and women who serve our country. Okay? But right now, I just want to ask you, to join me in a simple prayer to reaffirm your faith in Christ. And there may be some of you, as we bow our heads right now, who do not know Jesus in a personal way, but know today you can be made right with God. Today is the day that God has destined for you to be here, for you to be listening online. 
It's today. I don't know what tomorrow may bring. We may not be alive and breathing tomorrow, but today we have opportunity to make things right with God. And let's make them right with Him today. Would you pray with me right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe that you care about all the details of my life. And that's why you have provided Jesus. I believe he died in my place. And he has paid for my sins in full. I believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. And he is alive. And he is knocking at the door of my heart. I open wide the door. And I invite Jesus into my life as my Savior and as my soon coming King. I am sorry for my sinful ways. I want to live my life beginning this day in a way that makes a difference and that honors you in Jesus' name. I'm going to show you this little clip real quick. But beforehand, if, if you prayed with me just now for the first time, a prayer like this, would you stop on your way out? They've got a little gift bag at the uh, connections desk back there. It's got a Bible. It's free. A movie and some other little goodies that I believe would inspire you. And uh, just take that and, and let it be a source of encouragement to you. If you're a guest, we have a, a gift for all of our guests. Just a little something to say thanks for coming. We hope you come back. And at the end of this little video clip, we're going to take about 60 seconds to pray for those who serve. But at the end of that, if you need prayer, the altar will be open. There will be somebody here to pray with you. And God still answers prayer in this day and time. He surely does. But let's listen to this. Well, you're not going to listen to it. You're going to have to read it, okay? Let's read it together.
Father, we thank you for this great nation that we live in and for the freedoms that we have had for so long. Although they are under attack, we thank you for the blessings of them. And we thank you for the men and the women who have taken great risk and many paid the, the highest price so we could enjoy these freedoms. Forgive us, Almighty God, for taking for granted those who have served. Forgive us, Father, for being indifferent of the families who have had such a great loss and we've never even considered it. Bless those, Father, who have experienced such loss. Comfort them and give us opportunity to speak into their lives. Give us the opportunity to let those who have served in our home to know how much we appreciate what they have done. Father, we ask your blessings upon all the law enforcement officers as well and upon all those who work in fire departments. Bless them. Encourage them, Father. May they know that they are remembered and that we do not take them for granted. And Father, may we become your servant who will take whatever risk is necessary so others can come to know your love and your forgiveness, that they will discover the hope of the world and the joy and the peace that you have provided. Lead us and guide us now as we go from this building and help us to remember and to be sensitive to those in our sphere of influence that we can give an encouraging word today and tomorrow and the next day and thank those who deserve our appreciation. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Oh, wait, one final thing. Where is it? Huh? Thank you, Mike. And you, hey, wait, come here. Do y'all know who Mike is? Mike Kane is our... He's our life group director, and he worked really hard over the last six weeks. Before he took on that position, he had a full head of hair. <laughs> okay, I'm teasing. You, you forgive me, Mike? Okay. But Mike is doing an awesome job, and I cannot encourage you enough. If you're not in a life group, see Mike, he's over that. He'll help you get plugged into one. And life groups are really making a difference in our lives. I know it has in mine. So I cannot encourage you enough to, to get involved with that. Thanks, Mike. Uh, but absolutely. Our weekly challenge is just this. I will remember the good things that God and others have done. And I'll say thank you often. If you agree with that, check it off, drop it in your tithe box. God bless you. You are dismissed.